My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ThrowBible.com. Today, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you can find writing about video games at ComicBook.com. And today we are talking about the biggest, not only the biggest movie of the year, probably the biggest movie to ever exist, and that is Minions Rise of Gru. Now, <laughs> I, honestly, I do. We are going to talk about that a bit because, Cade, whether you like it or not, you are, in fact, a youth. You are Gen Z. So if anybody could explain what the fuck is going on, maybe it's you. Yeah. Uh, but today we're talking about Thor, Love and Thunder, the second MCU film of 2022. Two following Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Thor became the first MCU character to get his own fourth film, which I feel like should be a bigger deal and not enough people are talking about that. Yeah. And this... Go ahead. Well, it's just interesting because uh, like we're getting a Captain America 4, but that's not uh, Steve Rogers, right? Like right. it's interesting because uh, yeah, there were other characters that appeared in more movies technically, but... Um, it's still interesting that Thor is like the only uh, Hulk Thor and Hulk are like the only OGs really left over. Maybe Hawkeye. Hawkeye. We'll see what happens with him. Yeah. Right. But I feel like people should be talking about that more because not only is it like a first for the MCU, but I feel like of all the OGs, Thor was probably like the least likely to get to this benchmark right. when they first started because, you know, still to this day, the, I mean, the MCU, the way that they're going, they may set a new low. Yeah. <laughs> that the first two Thor films are widely thought of as like two of the worst of the 26 or seven films that they've put out so far. Absolutely. So to resurrect the character to such an extent that not only do I think he's had four solo films, I think he started nine MCU projects total or just appeared because he's in um, sure. he's in something for like a hot second. But he point being three Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. No, that's vice versa. Oh, Doctor Strange right. is in, he's in the four Avengers films, the four Thor films, and then there must be a cameo that I'm forgetting. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> someone, someone at us, because now this is going to drive me nuts. And I can't I'll look at the Chris Hemsworth it, IMDb here. It when, says he's in a mid-credit scene on Wikipedia for Doctor Strange. Yeah, but, uh, but that was just the scene from Ragnarok. Was it? Okay. Yeah, it was just the scene where he shows up to her. All right, whatever. Count it if you want. All right, so we figured it out with some podcast magic. We figured it out. It, it's the post credit scene in Doctor Strange, which is really just the Ragnarok scene where he shows up to Earth with the beer and Doctor Strange kind of runs laps around him. Right. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, shit, Doctor Strange is actually like kind of serious because he's got thor's fucking head spinning <laughs> regardless <laughs> regardless i feel like it should be a bigger deal i commend chris hemsworth for adapting to the role i've read that after thor one and two he went to feige and was pretty much like i'm not feeling it the character is miserable the films aren't working so they sort of allowed him and Taika to you know reboot him and give yeah. him a fresh sort of take and since then he's been one of my favorite MCU characters I think that his arc in Infinity War and Endgame is like perhaps the dramatic heartbeat of it so love Thor as for the end thunder part <laughs> uh I'm I'm a bit <laughs> that was I'm, good. A, I'm a bit here and there it's been I saw so I screened this on June 23rd so that's now 15 days ago, ago. Yeah. today's the eighth yeah 
Yeah. So that's 15 days ago. That's a long fucking time. So for that reason, when we do chat Thor, Cade will sort of take over and, and do the job that I'm doing where he guides the conversation. But before then, quick news, minions. We can't ignore it. I don't understand. I have not seen any of the Despicable Me films. Have you? I've seen the first two Despicable Me movies because they came out when I was like a kid kid. And then right. I stopped following them after that. Oh <laughs> um. So there's so you said you've seen two of them. Yeah. And there's three Despicable Me's and one Minions. Yeah, I think this is the second Minions movie. Minions, okay. The Rise of Gru, which is so funny. And uh, I, I just, I guess, I want to ask you, as someone, you know, you're not are not a TikToker, but do you have one? I don't have one, but I. I still see everything like it all filters its way to me at some point. So why don't you try to explain what's going on before I my almost 30 year old ass tries to wrap my head around what the sure. hell this is? Because this is the highest grossing July 4th weekend film of all time. This is one of the most famous movie, not only movie releasing weekends, but blockbuster release weekends of the calendar year. And this movie is setting yes. records <laughs> with a historically large teenage percentage of audience going out to see it. So, Kate, please. Try. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you where this started for me at first because I went and saw Top Gun for the fourth time uh, on July 4th weekend. And that's when the movie came out. And when I walked into the theater, there were a bunch of teenagers in suits and I didn't know what was going on. I, for a second, was like, oh, is there a prom? And I'm like, it's July. There's no, there's no proms in July. And I was just like, maybe you saw, you saw, I saw it. And I was like, just like, maybe there's a private event that like these kids are for in a a screening room or something. And I just went to my movie and then I left and there were even more of them. Like I, I'm not joking. There was probably 40 of them. It was an insane number of teenagers in, in suits and ties. And it wasn't until later that I saw a TikTok of these kids going up an escalator to see a movie in suits and ties. And so there's this thing called the Gentle Minions. Amazing. Which is an amazing name. Um, yeah, uh, amazing. I got to give the teens credit where it's due. <laughs> this shit has been cracking me up. I find the funniest part of it, podcast world, you can't see it, but the hand this. thing <laughs> yeah. is just like, it, 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 it just, it's the funniest fucking thing of all time. So please go ahead. Yeah. So it, basically, I guess the idea is you dress up like you're going to the most formal thing ever for the Minions movie. And that's, that's the joke really is it's overdressed for a children's movie. And these kids are borderline renting out these theaters and just having like football game energy for Bob and what the fuck the other minions names are and just going crazy. And some of them are throwing bananas and it's a bit much, but uh, some people have gotten kicked out. Some theaters are now offering gentle minion screenings just for this so like they have have made this a marketing thing at this point which is great because their hands are tied right they can't turn them away especially with the last two years they've had but as a former teen who used to stir up shit in theaters seeing (laughs) movies like coach carter and white noise i don't even know if you've heard of that movie but (laughs) i could imagine being a family and how fucking annoying that'd be so on one hand the theater has to enforce rules but on the other this is one of the most popular movies in two years so yeah. you know they gotta they gotta ride with it 
it's it's funny that Universal was able to correctly redirect the Morbius type energy of their movie where Sony couldn't. Uh, they were actually able to get people to come and see the movie and then reward them for their behavior. So, so that is that has been a common comp so far, and that is sort of where my thoughts go. And there is a key difference here. Minions, likable. <laughs> Jared Leto, not. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No, no, no. I'm kidding. The key difference here is it's the lack of understanding between millennial mm. internet culture and Gen Z right. culture. So as you just said, Minions came out when you were a fucking kid. Right. And not only did they, but memes did. Yeah. These are two things that have sort of oversected meaning at the point of when they're teenagers. And now they probably haven't seen, like they probably remember. Like, so if you're 17, right, you're a junior and mm-hmm. the last Minions film, what, four or five years? Yeah. You're in eighth grade, seventh, yeah. seventh eighth grade. That's a long time ago. So you probably remember thinking, oh, I, I love Minions. I love Minions. So you combine that genuine childhood love with that not only growing up in meme culture, but growing up in TikTok culture yeah. where virtually everything could be turned into a content or a joke. And not only so not only does it remind me of the Morbius meme, which is a film more directed at adults, which mm-hmm. minions is inherently for kids, which is what these teenagers are on the border of being, you know? Mm-hmm. But it reminds me of there's a there there's a Washington Post article from 2017 that got turned into a meme in and of itself and it's i actually have it right here it's called why is millennial humor so weird and it tries to explain that comedy that appeals to young people can often be surreal dark and completely meaningless and what the minions suit joke reminds me of is have you seen those memes where it's like bugs bunny or spongebob with like a revolver the and they're like, stuff, yeah. and they're like, Lord, forgive me. I'm back on my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So that is what it reminds me of. It's taking something that is meant to be ridiculously goofy in its inherent form. Minions, Bugs Bunny, SpongeBob, inherently childish, cartoonish, funny ideas. Absolutely. And taking them so deadly seriously to the point of memed them. And that it's ironic. And that is sort of, what I think is going on here, that this is a culture of kids who have grown up online and with memes and with TikTok and Twitter and all that and have fat. And now for the first, maybe not the first time, but one of their childhood passions have been like around long enough for them to grow up with it. And then therefore, you know, turn it into to the point where you're buying a $500 suit for a $15 ticket to the movie theater. (laughs) And that only happens because you're so utterly committed to the bit. And that only happens if it's been fostered and grown for years and years and years. So I really think this is just a perfect storm of like teenage hijinks that have been around forever and will continue to do so. Meme culture and a generation growing up with a franchise that they probably once loved and in their heart of hearts still do. But now they know how objectively silly it is. Yeah. Minions, as soon as you see them, you're like, that's silly. (laughs) (laughs) Realizing that being like, all right, now I'm just going to take it deadly serious. Yeah. And I mean, 
if you really want to take it a, a layer deeper, I mean, minions themselves are chaos embodied. Like that's their whole thing. It's just the most they're hijacking airplanes and shit. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I got Is that in this one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it it only makes sense to. Reciprocate that, that meme of him flying into the twin towers. I, saw, like, I wasn't gonna say like, it. What the fuck? Like, yo, how fucking far have they gone? Like, this is so. Oh, okay, that makes it, I guess, a little bit better that there's context to it. I thought that that was like completely made up out of thin air. I was I, like, I think wow. The, the twin towers part is made up. Oh, I oh, think so. oh, you I'm think, Cade? Sure, but oh, you, oh, you think? <laughs> I don't know. You never know, but uh, yeah, I, I just like I think it's it's nice to see the the kids reciprocating that chaos back to I, the movie. I've got to say, I have never had the urge to watch a Despicable Me film more than I have now, and I'm the type of dude for my 20s throughout the last decade. I have loved animation, watched them sober, watched it on smoked weed. I once, me and my boys, once went up to uh, the Poconos to play paintball, and when we came back from the day of playing. We were so tired. Took shrooms and watched Ryan Reynolds, I think, in Turbo. Have you seen Turbo, <laughs> yeah, the snail movie? Greatest experience of my life. <laughs> I have never rooted for anything harder than I was rooting for that snail that day. So I love animated films. I just never checked these out because something about them always felt, I mean, by the time the first one came out, which was 2010, I think by that point I'm a sophomore or junior. So I am not the target demo sure. whatsoever. And then after a while, it, it became so like, aggressive like minions were everywhere they're squeaky little fucking voices they're bright coloring and so i never really had an interest in such what i felt was such a blatant sort of ip toy selling franchise but now seeing these memes i'm like i kind of want to check out these fucking movies yeah i've been asked to attend a screening this weekend so (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll be going (laughs) all right that was fun uh moving on Cade, rockstar Right. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is an online mode that has not been getting gotten updates in like two years at this point. And people are really upset about it because Rockstar hasn't told them why. So finally they came out and they said, Hey, we hear you. We're sorry. Red Dead's pretty much dead. Like it's it'll get some small stuff, but generally there's no big updates like GTA Online gets because they've moved a lot of those people over to work on Grand Theft Auto 6. And basically, they're just like, we know the expectations this game has, and we need to exceed them. And, I mean, it's been almost 10 years since GTA V, and the Correct. bar is so high that they have to deliver. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you say on this show that you don't think GTA Six will come out until the next platform of gaming? I don't think I said that. Oh, okay. I don't know. But that, that sounds crazy. Might, I feel like you said that about something. May oh Fallout Five probably oh, yes yeah yep yeah. all right yeah. sorry yeah okay no yeah the but Grand Theft Auto Six the most reputable recent rumor is that it's aiming for next end of next year early 2024 but it's nothing's been announced so that could easily shift but if they're they're pulling all these people over off of games that were otherwise pretty popular I mean within the last year or two. They started selling Red Dead Online as a standalone game for like 10 to 20 bucks. So explain to, online to me quickly. What Red like Red. like isn't the foundation of it to be updated? Yes. I so mean they're basically like killing this. the game. Basically, I mean, 
uh, GTA Online is almost 10 years old, like I said, and it is still getting updates, but it's a lot more popular than Red Dead Online, so they can kind of still justify having a team working on that. Whereas Red Dead, like, never really took off, but it's it's also partially because they didn't give it the support it needed, so, like, they didn't water that seed, you know, so... Red Dead didn't never... T- oh, Red Dead Online. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't Red Dead like a top 10 selling game? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like the, the main game everyone loves, but the online was like, this is good. There's just not a lot to do. And that was the problem. So do you think that this is the right call? I think so. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 5 made a billion dollars in three days when it came out and $800 million in 24 <laughs> hours. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, and you know, it is one of the highest selling games. I don't know. I think it's like two or three. It's sold almost 170 million copies at this point, which is bonkers numbers. So if you're in that position and you know the expectations of this game, you want everyone working on it so you can A, get it done quicker, and B, make sure it's the best thing it can possibly be. Because, I mean, this game will probably sell a billion dollars in 24 hours, if not more. Like... (laughs) That warps my brain to think about. It's a crazy-ass number, right? I mean, I forget how many copies it is, but it's it's tens of millions. And does Rockstar have a parent company? Yeah, they're owned by uh, Take-Two Interactive, who also own 2K. And, oh, uh, nice. yeah. So, Good for them. Yeah. They, uh, but they've been given the opportunity to take as long as they kind of want on these games. No which kidding. Is, you know, if you're making a cash cow... You kind of let them work. All right. Final thing. When do you think we will realistically get GTA 6 then? I'm going to place my bets on fall 2024. Okay. So about two years from now, two and a half, two and a quarter. Okay. All right. Moving on to some quick hitters before we talk door. This just broke before we hopped on the mic. Julius Onan, director of films such as This Girl is in Trouble, The Cloverfield Paradox, and Lucy, L-U-C-E. Uh, has been tapped to direct Captain America 4. Now, Cloverfield Paradox is his most famous film and then therefore also his most... uh, See, I've not (laughs) seen it, but he is currently only 39. And so that means Cloverfield Paradox came out when he was... What year did Cloverfield Paradox come out? 2018. So in his mid-30s, that's a young guy. I'm sure he learned from it. I'm glad to see he's getting a fresh it's, shot. It's not his fault either, because I won't go into all of it, but that movie was another movie, and then Paramount was like, what if we made this a Cloverfield movie? Which famously happened with right. Cloverfield Lane as well, uh, but that one worked out better. And I uh, his 2019 film Lucy, which stars good cast, uh, Tim Roth, Naomi Watts, Octavia Spencer, and Kelvin Harris Jr., has a 90% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So, good for him. Dope. What else we got here? Oh, this is a fun one. Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin confirmed to appear in Marvel Studios. Echo, we had long wondered, why is this show being made? Well, now (laughs) we know why. Sets up Daredevil. That's all it's for. (laughs) Echo, shut up. Um... She's fucking chiming in whenever she thinks she wants to. Okay, uh, you're a big fan of them. Thoughts? Uh, Daredevil? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is good. King, I mean, Kingpin as well, who you were bummed yeah. about how they yeah. sort of nerfed. Yeah. It, this should hopefully set up expectations for tone of the Daredevil series, right? It should be like, all right, here's where they are in the MCU. 
fit, you know, hopefully it's good, but we don't know. Is, isn't Bullseye in this too? Didn't I read that this week? Oh, I have no idea. That I did not see. I feel like if maybe. it was, I feel like if that was true, I would have seen that. Maybe like I didn't see that. I don't know. Bigger letters. Um, <laughs> I've seen one report and I've seen one rumor. The report that I've seen is that Daredevil's subplot will be that he's trying to find his old ally, Jessica Jones. Oh. A rumor that I've seen is that he's going to be wearing a black suit. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's that sounds interesting. Okay. Okay. This one is for you as well. God in the war. God. Uh, God in the war. Uh, <laughs> God of War Ragnarok will release on PS4 and 5 on November 9th. Yeah, that's uh, it's huge. Uh, sadly, uh, Ubisoft is also releasing their pirate game the day before, so it's going to get slaughtered. Pirate game? Call of Duty. Yeah, don't get too excited, though. <laughs> it looks kind of, it's been in development for like 10 years. So. Dude, I a few months back, I got an Xbox One. Series X. Oh, Series X, but the yeah. small one, the one with no, Series no disc. And the first game that I thought of buying was Sea of Thieves. But then That's I remember game. you telling me you kind of need a crew, but like, yeah. a, but like a pirate game and like Assassin's Creed kind of filled that itch but that game is what 10 years old at this point so like i need a fresh pirate game dude pirate game is like i've always said of like dope kind of fantastical things to be pirate uh (laughs) viking uh you know all those types of things pirate is like the coolest one to me yeah well this is a basically a spin-off of black flag because of like people love the ship stuff in that game and like what if we just made a whole game on that so We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. What if how we it made a out. game about fucking dope pirates? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, guys. It's an obvious idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Sword fighting, gunfighting, ship fighting, exploration, treasure hunting. It's all right fucking there, yeah. dude. You could weave in some sort of like spiritual Davy Jones type thing. Shit, yeah. I mean, am I in the wrong business? Maybe. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, speaking of games, this is kind of... Oh, I did you add this? You yeah. must have. Go yeah. ahead. So uh, they announced a new open-world Terminator game from... Uh, Nac- I think it's Nakon. I don't know how to say it. Uh, yesterday. Um, no real details. No title. There's just a small teaser trailer of the T-800 hunting someone. Uh, but it's a survival game. So it sounds like you'll be playing as someone that you know has to make their way through a, a world of terminators and stuff so that sounds pretty pretty neat to me i also quick uh breaking news here on postcred pod taika waititi star wars film eyeing to begin filming in early 2023 cool so, th- right. that. i also saw the gameplay for lord of the rings Gollum. what the fuck yeah. is that what is that is that a, is, uh, did they seriously make a lord of the rings game where you play as Gollum? yeah so Dude, like uh, that is fucking infuriating. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing out here? Are you kidding me? Oh my god. Yeah, it's that a, sounds it's terrible. One. Like it's it's like it's like a stealth game. So he oh. has to be very cunning and like use traps and stuff. So I don't know. Uh it takes god. place before his appearance and it's like bridging the gap between like how he gets oh yeah because everyone's favorite character Gollum yeah I'm not so sure about it I'm but... legitimately annoyed about that fact all right um <laughs> calm down Chris Evans and Emily Blunt to star in David Yates who helmed most of the dope Harry Potter films right David Yates's pain hustlers at netflix which has been described as having like a the big short um esque tone 
Uh, and the Duffer Bros of Stranger Things fame are developing a live-action adaptation of Death Note, which is an anime, which is an area of expertise I have absolutely zero in, so I can't really speak on it. Kate, can you? No? Yes. All I know is this one's like the most popular one, or one of the most popular oh, ones. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so they will be doing so at Netflix under their new production company, Upside Down Pictures. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Thor, Love, and Thunder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, and we are back. We are discussing Thor Love and Thunder. We are going to be talking about all of Thor of Love and Thunder. So this is your first and last spoiler warning. But as I do, I'll say it a few times. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. We're talking about the plot, the details, the post-credit scenes, the character arcs, and how they potentially do or do not end. Now, as I said at the top, Cade has seen this within the last 20 hours, I think. I saw it over two weeks ago, so it is definitely a bit fresher in his mind. I have my little notepad of notes that I took, but goddamn, that is hard to do because it's just so fucking dark in there. And by the time sure. I, I come out, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't even uh, bother with that stuff anymore. I just uh, I just rush to write everything down at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Maybe I should start doing that. Uh, all right. So Kate is going to kind of lead the chat in, in the same way that I usually do. So, Kate, let's start with I will let you take it from here. Let's start with the humor. Yeah, so it feels like the your first point that you put in was you said you remember feeling like the literal jokes were funny or funnier, were, yeah, yeah. funnier so than had, Ragnarok. So I had said this last week when we had talked about it. I thought that the literal joke writing, so like stand-up comedy joke True. writing, right, was funnier than Thor Ragnarok, which I thought was very much situational comedy. Thor being tortured by Jeff Goldblum, Thor fighting yeah. the Hulk, Thor and Hulk in a bathtub. You know what I mean? Sure. Just like funny situations, right? This, I thought that there were some one-liners that really, really genuinely cracked me up. But the reason that the next bullet, oh, and then I also remember, and I don't remember exactly what the joke was because it's been two plus weeks. Maybe you do. Mm. Interstellar joke. Bonus yes. points. You yeah. know, that is a pop culture reference that's always going to win with me. So I remember feeling like this is probably if Ragnarok had set the bar for being the funniest film in the MCU so far, I had thought that this had taken its title. Mm-hmm. One of the elements that of the film that I had found funniest and that you had highlighted it in a tweet, so I was fascinated to see we diverge on that, was the whole romantic triangle between thor the hammer and the axe so why don't you speak to how that sort of reflected a larger problem with the film for you so it's it, that that seems quite funny to me like when it starts like the first time you see it is they're in like the whatever it's supposed to be like the barracks i guess you could call it and uh huddled around and he tries to call for mjolnir the hammer and Pretty good. uh Pretty good, the dude. The, the axe comes up behind him like creeping in and is like what are you doing and i thought that was funny 
but towards the end, I'm like, all right, like the Thor's like at or the hammer, or fuck, the axe is acting out like when they're on the ship, it like slams the ship down. I'm like, all right, and now he's having a conversation with that. I'm like, okay, I if I could sacrifice some of this to get a little more gore or something, you know, like I would much rather if we're if we're limited on screen time, if if Feige mandated this has to be two hours for whatever reason, then I would prefer more gore than more axe and hammer and thor <laughs> let me make two points though one you could argue that humor is what saved the thor character and sure. what has allowed the fourth film in the first place so it doesn't really surprise me that they leaned into it in that way second do you think gore tangibly had that much less screen time than hella did in ragnarok because i feel like she's not in it that much either that's probably fair, but there are also like other antagonists in a, in a sense, like the Jeff Goldblum's character is like kind of an antagonist or whatever. Like he's not, there's something going on with him and they're battling Hulk and stuff. Like the whole goal of this movie is we got to get to gore. And so when you're not with him, unless you're talking about Zeus, then like there's not much going on uh, in terms of direct conflict. So it, it just feels like, and I'll get back to this later, but like, there's a beginning to the character and an end to gore, but there's no real middle. It just kind of exists. And it's more like, cause they have to go to this planet to find him. And it's just like, is he just waiting there the whole time? <laughs> it seems that way. Well, let's jump to gore now then, since you're, sure. you're sort of drawing a thread between that and uh, the humor. I, I, sure. I don't think the problem is his screen time. I think the problem is what they do with it, right? So yeah. usually it went when he's on screen, except for the cold open and when he fights um, um, Thor. <laughs> when he fights- <laughs> the, the titular character? <laughs> There's two characters named Thor in this movie. Um, when he fights Thor at the end, like every scene he's in is just kind of him on their kind of floating rock with those kids, like being spooky, which yeah. is effective. But I think the biggest problem with the gore character and the lack of stakes and why I think there is a contrast between Hela and Ragnarok and why that movie to me is better Uh and, th- and and gore is because, and this is something I touched on last week, it's the familiarity that we have with formula. It's that we know Christian Bale is going to not stick around. So that kind of sucks it of its yeah. dramatic stakes. But from an in-universe point of view, this was pre-Infinity War. Thor lost his father. He yeah. lost his hammer. He lost his planet. That is a consequential film. Yeah. And I understand that he loses Jane in this, but Jane was only reintroduced so she so he could lose him. It's yeah, one of those exactly. sort of uh built-in like that, like the whole reason that she exists is to serve that purpose. So when it comes to gore, the biggest problem is that not only is his screen time low, but all of his god butchering, except it's for the screen. cold open, happens off screen and you don't yes. see it. And all of his sort of like scary badassness is like ooh, did you hear what gore did (laughs) and that that to me is a fucking problem because when you know christian bale isn't sticking around Mm. when you know thor is probably not gonna die right where does the threat or the dramatic impact come from him killing gods so Mm. as you're gonna touch on it in a bit had he killed valkyrie in act two now you're cooking with fucking gas because now he's a legitimate fucking threat but whispers and rumors of him being scary Yes, Christian Bale was scary, but I just thought that Love and Thunder was this perfect combination of Marvel Cinematic Universe structure, Christian Bale, 
stardom and poor plotting that yeah. made it feel utterly purposelessness. Yes. Uh, because like his whole quest is I'm going to kill all the gods and Oh, I can make a wish and just make them all go away. Right. And he has to go there and they have to go find him before he can do that. And that should create a lot of urgency. And it, it doesn't, it, it does the opposite because you're just sitting around watching them fuck around and, you know, they go to talk to Zeus and I don't know about you, but that scene felt way longer than it needed to be like where they're on that planet talking to Zeus. Like it, yeah. it takes up more than I expected. You, you want to know why? Because guess what Thor four is going to be about. You mean Thor five Thor five. <laughs> Be Zeus and Hercules and stuff. Exactly. That's why yeah. that's fucking infuriating. It's just like that scene. He's in chains and stuff this whole fucking time. And they're just like monologuing. And I'm just like, dude, there's a guy on his way to the gates of eternity to fucking kill all of you. Let's speed this up. Even well, at least that's there, how though. they feel, too. Yeah. So it's but like, I don't know, in the narrative sense, it doesn't feel like there's a ticking clock like there should be. And granted, it's because Gore needs his axe before he can do anything he can't just go go after them but it's still just kind of like i don't know i don't feel like the weight of the universe is coming down on them quite yet and that's uh frustrating and and just like when you watch something like avengers you're like fucking everything's falling apart this is really dangerous and you don't get that in a movie where a guy is going around space killing all the gods. And that's what I'm saying about lack of stakes. When the characters in universe aren't taking the threat seriously, yeah, it undercuts the whole thing. Gore should have showed up then, fucking transported down like uh, uh, the Justice League guy with the boom tube, the bad guy, Stephen dark Wolf? side, just fucking zoom in, <laughs> taking a few heads off and dips. Then you're like, all right, do you hear me now? So... Yeah, I just I just thought it was a real swing and a miss with Gore. So why don't you take us to our next point here? Well, how does he rank amongst the MCU villains? Because like Christian Bale's really good in this movie, but as we talked about, narratively and thematically, it's not necessarily gelling. It's not his fault, but the writing maybe does not serve him. Frankly, non-phase size MCU villains to me at this point are like wallpaper. You sure. can you you can mix and match and paste. I kind of know what their deal is going to be and how their story is going to end. Think about what's the most compelling villain thing that we've seen in the MCU post Thanos. Spider Man. Okay. Most compelling villain moment. Green Goblin. Uh, well, <laughs> fair, fair. I, pro- I, I probably should have thought to say that, but it's Kang's speech in Loki. Okay, that's, sure. That's probably the yeah, most yeah, like, yeah. oh, all right, well, now we're fucking talking. Well, guess what? It's because you know he's going to be around. So it's like, oh, this guy is like, he's going to back up his word. Gore, Bale, who I thought basically went into this being, all right, I've done Batman. Now it's time to do Joker. Like he had a, an almost, like he was that menacing at parts on screen. Absolutely. But when he's A, not on screen that much, and B, not going to be in the film that longer, and C, not God-butchering the way his name <laughs> intends that he, uh, entails that he would, I don't even, th- it's not even a thought that I have. I don't even think about that sort of thing. Yeah. He's no, just it's... there to get Thor from four to five, which is yeah, really frustrating. It, it, it's a real problem, I think. No, you're completely right. Like, there's no character growth 
that doesn't feel like it's character growth to be in the sequel. It's not like a standalone adventure that feels like Thor went on a journey and we'll see where he goes next. But this was a journey for him. Like you said, Ragnarok's features a lot of loss for him. There's a lot of tragedy. I mean, you think about it. Ragnarok Infinity War Endgame is a crazy time for Thor where he's going through some shit. And when he suits back up at the end of Endgame, even though he's still a little chubby and stuff, you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. When he gets the hammer back and when he goes back to the dark world, right? And all that stuff, it's like huge. Like, this is amazing arc stuff. Like, honestly, I think you said one of the best MCU characters because he's one of the most tragic, even though he's very funny. He has a sense of tragedy that not many other people have because he loses so much. And in this movie, like we said, he loses Jane, but it's more at the cost of the next movie. Like, it's not for Thor it's for franchise and that's not the same and I just wonder like how would we have felt how at the end where gore like why and I guess that this is a product of Bale not wanting to stick around but let's say Bale said all right fine I'll do two films Mm-hmm. Gore, with the ability to get his wish and do what he does, wouldn't it have been much more compelling if they went the Infinity War route? And not only does Jane fucking die right there, but Gore wins, and yeah. four or five is about Thor fixing it or winning. Yeah. And so I, it's it's a frustrating thing too because you know if Gore wins, Thor doesn't exist, right? Like it's just like he oh, can't really okay, do anything. Okay. Yeah. But I I know I get your point. There should no, have but been... that's the thing. It takes away the stakes. Yeah. It's it's just like, you know, he has to win because they've already said in interviews that he'll probably come back and all this stuff in terms of Thor. So it's like Thor has to come out on top because we know there's more adventures. And, you know, there's a difference between winning and surviving. though. He could survive and lose. You know what I mean? Like. So it's just, I, 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 and here's the difference between Thor and Dr. Strange, because I could see people who tune in to the show being like, oh yeah, Eric, you think Dr. Strange was going to die? Do you think (laughs) Wanda was going to win? No, but I don't know Wanda. I don't know what the fuck Wanda was going to do. Yeah. I don't know how that storyline was going to end. Yeah. I don't know where she was going to go or who she was going to kill or how her story would resolve itself or what happened or what would happen with her children. Or as we've said, one of the only sort of, franchise implication dramatic cards that the MCU has deployed in phase four so far as the multiverse is in danger which yeah. granted in this film cheap or not add stakes but so Wanda I don't know where that story is going Christian Bale I fucking know Gore is not sticking around that's yeah. the difference that's and, the difference and it's interesting because this movie yes it does kill well, off sorry, character. one more thing even if Wanda like loses and becomes good or 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 wins and becomes further evil it's a continuation of an arc that's been developed and developed yes thor is one act one two three gone yeah and and you you don't know what's going to happen with her because she's a main character right you're like she could live but she i mean she's the villain so she could die so you're like i don't know where this is going but um you know pretty much right away at the start of this movie, what's going to happen, I think. Because Jane has cancer. There's hammering it in that, no pun intended, that the hammer is giving her strength, but she is still weakening. And so you know at some point she's going to die, whether it's at the hands of Gore or sacrificing herself or whatever. You know she's going to die. And granted, that doesn't always mean a bad thing, but 
it's it's hard to get invested you have to really do a lot of work in your writing to still make that come through in the end and it's different as opposed to like again i went into logan knowing wolverine was going to die but Mm -hmm. we spent so long with that character that i'm like this is still gonna hurt you know this is still gonna hit and the writing is really strong so it's really gonna hit with here it's it's just like she's been gone for 10 years last time we saw her was an end game and it wasn't even it was old footage. So, you know, it, it was barely there, you know? So, and I didn't really like Jane in those other movies. Like it, not that I hate her, but I was like, who cares? Um, I like her more in this movie. Cheap but... card to play. I thought the death scene was effective, but as you're saying, like from a 10,000 foot view in the grander scheme, I'm like, yeah, well, of course. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, they, they do a good job of making you like her in this movie. She's the best she's ever been. I think in the MCU in this movie, but uh, it's just kind of like, I don't know where, what does this movie add? You know, will Thor remember this in the next movie? Will he go like, oh man, I'm so sad about Jane. Probably not. It's going to mean nothing. And um, I, I think it's also quite frustrating because uh, they kill her and then they show her again 10 minutes later in the post credit scene. I know. It's just like, I get it. You want to show that she went to Valhalla because that's a theme of the movie, but Come on. MCU rules and comic book rules in general, but that's basically saying, hey, she come back. She's not she's not dead, dead. Don't worry, everybody. We're gonna move on to Jane Thorne next. Uh, unless we've already kind of touched on it. But one last point on Bell. I think his eye mole is getting bigger. It was very noticeable in this movie. Uh like somewhere that I had maybe it's just like the makeup is kind of drawing, like the eyes are very orange. So you're looking yeah. at his eyes a lot. But yes, no, I completely agree. I, my dad leaned over to me during the movie. He's like, Who who plays him? And he said, That's Christian Bale. And then he's like, Oh. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, you know, he has this eye mole. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's this, a very yeah. famous, it's the world's <laughs> most famous eye mole, Dad. Um, all right. So we kind of just touched on this Jane thing, Cade. What, what what do you think here? Uh so uh, the question I wrote here is did Jane's death feel impactful and should Valkyrie have died instead or in addition to Jane should both of them have died Well let me just ask you quick in my notes I wrote that one of them said I love you did they both say it did one of them say it to the other who said it cuz that's not those aren't words that are said in the MCU a lot so right. I feel like that was something worth pointing out Is this in like a death scene or earlier Yeah when Jane dies Okay, I don't remember that, but I remember on the boat ride to the planet, uh, Thor says, I love you, and she says, I have cancer. <laughs> so that's when I remember that. I don't remember that so in the death scene, but I wouldn't be surprised. That, end, but that would make sense. So it did feel impactful. Here's why. Natalie Portman is an Academy Award winning actress, yeah, she's and she's good. a god who just died of cancer. So yes, that's fucking sad. Hemsworth, as you pointed out, has been through the fucking well of shit. Mm-hmm. Just, just losing his everyone who cares about him pretty consistently. So, and I got to be fair, going into this, I didn't expect her to die in the movie. Like, I thought that she was going to get cured and be the new Thor. Like, that is what I sure. really thought. Yeah. I didn't know that they were going the bail route with her. So, and that's kind of the problem, right? How do you sort of turn off the I work in entertainment business mm-hmm. part of my brain yeah. and just enjoyed the character arc, right? So in a character arc sense, I did think it was impactful, both in her character dying. I thought it was very sad for her. I thought it was very well well played. I thought that her character in the film, as you said, was like 
as entertaining and as charming as she's been and legitimately heroic as well. But because of the structural, contractual, mcu problems that we know or systems that we know are in place, it's like, well, did they kill her because it was a good storytelling choice or because of her contract? Because yeah. she didn't want to do two films, you know? So that is sort of where I have a bit of a problem swallowing it. But in within the context of the film, I did think it was impactful. Now, to the point B of your part, should Valkyrie have died instead? I think Jane dying is more impactful for Thor and therefore mm-hmm. I think more weighty. But I think in terms of like establishing the bona fides of gore and making this feel, this is a movie called Love and Thunder. Right. And I and I know I I, and someone replied to my tweet when I said the plot felt stakeless and flat that not everything needs to be Finney Wars size event. Sure. Let me tell you, first of all, this is a character named Thor. He's a god of thunder. That yeah. within itself implies grandness. Grand, yeah. right. <laughs> Second of all, this is a fucking subtitled Thor movie called Love and Thunder. That is yeah. so epically broad that, yeah, of course I'm going to fucking expect an epic film. And one of my notes was funny, but boring, not epic. So had Valkyrie died in Act 2 at the hands of Gore, that would have flipped it, right? Because now I'm like, not only is Thor fucking trying to kill this psychopath, but he's trying to avenge his best friend. And I buy that because him and this chick have literally been in the battle on the front lines together. So I'd say yes to both. I think Jane's death was impactful, but I also think Valkyrie should have died. Not should have, but I think because she's a great character, I like having her around, but I think it would have made the movie much better and gore much scarier. Yeah. There needed to be something early on, whether it be a character we know or a big god, like that giant dinosaur thing. I don't remember his name. Uh, that Thor says is like the nicest god you'll ever meet. Uh, something that shows early on, like, oh, this guy's fucking terrifying. Because when he kills that first god, it's almost like he just kind of gets the slip on him. Not really strength. Um and you never have a moment outside of being told he's scary. And that's like the number one rule of writing that you just shouldn't do. You show, not tell, right? There are ways that can work, but you at some point still have to follow through. And as far as I can think, Gore doesn't kill anyone besides that first god. And that's uh-huh. uh, bizarre. <laughs> I mean, he kills some people in battle i think when they're in that fight Probably, but, and i yeah. won't say like i thought his whole shadow thing was very cool, cool like yeah. i thought his powers were very cool so all right and then uh so where do you land on um killing jane uh i i think both of the actors sell it very well thor and uh natalie portman uh thor is not an actor chris hemsworth and natalie portman sell it very well um and I believe that they they do love each other, and you know there there's some some sadness there. It got to me a little bit. I won't lie. Uh, in sure. the theater, that was one of two moments that kind of got me a little misty eyed. The other moment was uh, when he rallies all the kids together. I think this is the best moment in the movie, mm. um, and gives them his powers. I thought that was yeah. cool shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it worked. Uh, it just feels like the build up to get there wasn't necessarily. Mm. smooth as it could yeah. be you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right yeah. um we'll move on to cgi next um are marvel's vfx getting worse uh the opening scene in my opinion with thor and the guardians fighting on that planet looked 
awful. <laughs> and in some part, you know, you could maybe argue like, oh, they're going for like a cheesy 80s aesthetic. And yeah, he does some corny stuff like the splits on the that's two bikes. That's not why it looks but, like that. I like that but excuse, but that's I'm, I'm just predicting, you know, I've seen some stupid ass fucking defenses of things. I mean, this is a combination of, as I see it, three factors. The volume apparatus tech that was used on Mando is being used as a either not well or being used as a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID backlogs on cool. CGI teams. And Marvel, who used to put out two or three films a year, now putting out four-ish films and four-ish shows per year. So their own within-house team is stretched in. So yeah. it is absolutely getting worse. Uh, <laughs> this past week was the... Uh, <laughs> Was the 16 year anniversary of Pirates 2 Dead Man's Chess. And Dead Man's Chess will take a fucking steaming dump on the last two, three years of MCU films, all of them. And, but here's what I think the thing is I don't think that this is a Marvel problem. I think that this is a Hollywood problem. I think that this is across the board in general, whereas 10, 15 years ago, whereas CGI was being used to enhance and create only the things that you can't create on Earth, now they're doing it to make. Atlanta in the background, you know what I mean? Like they're using it for shortcuts to to make the production shorter. So they only have to shoot in an Atlanta back lot and not on location. So they could put out more films per year. So that is an inherent business, big business flaw. Do I think that they're going to change? As I said to you on the show, absolutely not. Because we're (laughs) we're eating their shit up with a fucking spoon. And as long as we keep buying it, why... <laughs> they put out three films this year: Doctor Strange, Thor four, Black Panther two. You're telling me if they released another two more, people wouldn't go see them? Of course not. And that is where we're eventually going. So I'm hoping that the COVID being in the rear view, knock on wood, alleviates the backlog of work that these CG teams have had to do. But with Marvel's increased production. This is the norm now. Yeah, it's uh, it gets into scary territory. She Hulk when... is going to be a fascinating one. Yes, I we'll see. Uh, even I thought Groot looked smooth in this movie. Like there was some weird look to. And he's not in the movie very long, but like when Still, you the see fact him, that you notice like, that though in yeah. such a short time. Yeah, I was like. There's something not right. He doesn't look like tree bark. He looks like someone took a fucking saw to his face and grinded him down. Um, but it's, and, it's just And we bizarre. thought Thor had a bad... Yeah, yeah it's, it's just messed up. Uh, poor Groot. But, you know, I, I don't know what happens. I mean, I, I mentioned it in, in on Twitter, but they have these CGI helmets. You see one in the trailer very specifically when he goes, Jane? And it looks weird as fuck. And it's like both the times that I remember them putting on the helmets comes at completely random times. Like he puts on his helmet when he goes to talk to Jane for some reason and takes it off. Like, it's just like, why'd you put it on the first place? He doesn't wear it for the rest of the battle. No need for this. And then uh, Jane is walking and talking when they're going to see Zeus. And then her helmet just goes. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Why did that happen? Like, it makes no sense. They're not preparing for battle. They're not getting ready to go to battle. They are going to get into disguises. And for whatever reason, in mid-conversation, her helmet phases on. And I saw an interview with Natalie Portman today where someone asked her about acting with a helmet on. And she's like, uh, it wasn't it wasn't there. So, you know, and I'm like, 
they just fucking put this on randomly. They didn't even tell her they were going to do it. Like, right, right. Yeah. It's yeah. just bizarre. Uh, so it's, it's looks bad because it's not planned out very well and it's unnecessary. It just is distracting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about the CG for now. And I made a, a tweet about how it looks like now the green screens are like blues clues. Oh yeah. You made a tweet. Did you smoke the pots too? Smoke the pots? What do you mean? Well, just, that's just a straight. Like you said, you made a, you made a tweet. I made a tweet. Yes, I posted a tweet. Um, yeah. So it's it's all very bizarre. I hope maybe one day we'll fix it, especially because it'll get more concerning as we see characters like the Fantastic Four, which involves an invisible person, a rock man, a man who turns on fire, and a man who gets really stretchy. Yeah. Not even including the great point. You Great know, point, so. Cade. I will say that their human physical CGI seems to be better than their like environmental CGI. Usually, yeah. Uh, sometimes you can kind of see the edges around them, which is really bothersome. But yeah, I mean, it's so bad when it looks so clearly like, like a 2D background. It's like, yes. how the fuck is Disney putting this shit out? It's very bizarre. Infuriating. All right. So we'll talk about the ending now. Um, Thor has a child now. Gore uh, brings his child back. At the cost of leaving her alone, which I thought was a mm-hmm. good ending to his character. Mm-hmm. Granted, I, I it's it's like the way it's done isn't perfect because I was like, I don't believe that this guy would have this complete turn on a dime in this moment. They don't plant enough seeds in the movie to be like yep. he sees a change, right? Absolutely. He doesn't have any doubts. He's a full-blown killer throughout the movie. But nonetheless, I thought the particular moment where he saved his child is, is, is an interesting and good. Uh, so he dies and Thor basically adopts this kid and becomes uncle Thor. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Thor five uncle Thor. It's, it's an interesting place. Cause when they were talking about earlier in the movie, like Korg and Valkyrie are talking like, Hey, do you think Thor will have a kid someday? I was like, that'd be an interesting thing. I would like to see that. I didn't think it'd be in this movie though. Um, so this sets an interesting stage because for his future, because he is fighting with her at the end. It implies she'll be on his next adventure. Probably they will go out and battle together, uh, which is interesting. I don't know. Do you think they'll keep this kid around or do you think they'll age her up? And- well, I was just going to say, so do we think Thor four, com- Thor five, God damn it. Thor <laughs> five comes out before or after the next Avengers film. Jesus. I don't even know. I guess are we assuming what... it's Thor five because they do that title card saying Thor will yeah. return. I usually I'm sure I think that it implies a solo movie. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Uh, it doesn't have to, but I think it would make the most sense. Um I mean, did did Captain America will return say at the end of Civil War? Do you think? Probably right. He didn't get I just know that I've seen them do that before. They did yeah. it. I think they did it in Doctor Strange. I just sure. know that they've done it before. Yeah. yeah so they it's, did it in Doctor Strange and they did it. it. It's just something that they do. Yeah. It's like the James Bond will return kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'll have another movie just because of Hercules and stuff. That seems so like I a, bring that up saying movie. my initial thought was I would imagine that because for them to do Thor five before the next Avengers film, that means it would come out in phase five. And do we really see a Thor movie in back to back phases? I don't know. So I think right. they will do the next Avengers movie first. I think Thor five could be like his last movie. He'll be older and then therefore the kid will be old enough to be a young Avenger age, like more <laughs> of a teenage age. 
So yeah, I do think that they're going to age her up because they want her to be a young Avenger. Like they're not being very direct about it, but there are like preteen teenage heroes popping up everywhere. So yeah. And she's one of them. Do you think it will be another actress or do you think they'll just keep this girl and wait for her to get Uh, older? I would imagine they'd recast. Yeah. Um, again, interesting idea. Like, I don't know what this means for four Thor five. Does, does this put her in danger? I don't know. I mean, she seems pretty fucking powerful. She's got laser eyes or something. So well, it's uh, like a combo of their two, like their two powers. Right. Right. I guess so. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what her whole shtick is, is she, but is she using the hammer? Is she using she uses Stormbreaker? All right. So she's clearly like chosen one. So, yeah. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, but I, I just thought that was an interesting choice. It, it, it comes a little forced, I think, but I think the future movie will come rushed. A little more it's it. rushed. Yeah. It's because, rushed. like I said, the only real seed for that is a scene between Korg and Valkyrie that Thor is not present for. He's outside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just yep. kind of weird. But I like the general idea of it. Yeah. Um, okay. we'll, uh, we'll finish up with the post credit scene and the final thoughts. Uh, Hercules appears in the post credit scene. Zeus is alive. <laughs> like, uh, I just didn't see. He gets literally impaled. I know. By this in sword. one end, out the yeah. back door. So yeah. I was like, I mean, I know he's a god, but it's just like weird. I'm glad to see the crow is going to stick around. Yes, like, you know, um, in what I, seems like a role that he's clearly having a fucking blast yes. with. Yeah. The little skirt thing that he does when he walks down the stairs is so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it seems like Zeus is out for revenge. He's going to send Hercules on his quest to fight and kill Thor. Um, whether that means Thor five is the end of the road for Thor remains to be seen. I, I don't know if they'll do yeah. Thor five, six, seven. I don't know how many more he's got in him, but I mean, by the time, so Hemsworth is 37 or eight right now. By really? the time, Yeah. He's Boy, so young. Oh, that's younger than you thought. Yeah. Cause he's been in his movies for, such a long years. time he was young he was he was he was like he was younger than i wow. am currently when yeah. when he started in thor one turns 39 um, next month so by the time thor five comes out he'll be pushed he'll be knocking on the door of 45 and i got yeah. to imagine that that'll be it for it did i Probably. just see thor four again i think so yeah fuck thor five <laughs> by the time he gets to thor five i think as much as he loves thor and as much as they all say i'll play this forever sure. you know at 15 plus years i think he'll want to tap out and, and like i feel like that's a now that he's got a kid and it feels like he's lost all he possibly could lose like i feel like one fifth sort of epic but like that is thor's final appearance don't you think it's a bit more worthy of him taking on roy kent from ted lasso like i saw on a tweet <laughs> someone say that 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 role should have been filled by alan richson who's that fucking massive guy who plays jack reacher and like yeah he's more of like a physical comp and like not to knock Brett Goldstein, who's great in Ted Lasso, but like when I'm picturing Hercules versus Thor in my mind's eye, I'm picturing like Alexander Skarsgård. Like, yeah, call him crazy, what's, right? What's he yeah. up to? You know what I mean? So like, it just feels, it just feels, it just felt strange to me. It was a very strange scene. I felt. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool, like in terms of premise, but like the the reveal is like, oh. That's who you picked. Because I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be like fucking Brad Pitt or something crazy, right? right? Skarsgård. No, he would have been perfect. That, honestly, after seeing the Northmen, that would be like dream casting. But obviously, it's just not going to happen now. Yeah, but That's a sick fucking movie, right? Yes. Yes. Um, then 
we kind of touched on a little bit. Zeus and Jane die in this movie, quote unquote, and then appear in the post credit scene, almost kind of robbing you of the weight of particularly Jane's death, Zeus, whatever. But Jane is like, we just had this emotional goodbye. And now she's like, whoa, how jolly is hey, this? Hey, look how bright and colorful the world is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's fucking ridiculous. Dude. It's, it's stakeless. It's bizarre. I mean, Heimdall's there. Cool. Let's see. Let's see Idris. But yeah, uh, of course. And it's to keep the door open. If, yes. if, if Portman in three years, like I could use another paycheck. Yeah. Guess what, everybody? A portal from Valhalla has been opened. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not fucking difficult. This is comic book shit. It's absolutely like Disney Plus series, something like it's so there. Like you wouldn't have that if you don't have something to do with it. You, you, I don't think that's your way of saying, all right, now we're done with Jane. And it's like, not, a not for nothing. She was when she got cast. Idris Elba is a much bigger star now. Probably. Then yes. when they cast him in that role, and they've got these two Thor adjacent characters just like chilling. Yeah. Like, so those two headlining a movie would <laughs> be a big deal. Like, Valhalla movie. Yeah. So you that's know a good, so good fucking transparent. Pitch. And that's what I, I was talking about last week. Is that when we're so familiar with their formula and the way that they do things, and they aren't using the narrative tissue of an overarching villain, it all just becomes very empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we're gonna move on to final thoughts now. Well, I'd say that that is mine. That that's your final thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the two things I want to say is uh, I mentioned on Twitter too, but uh, when you are having this kind of tonal whiplash of funny and now Gore's over here kidnapping kids and ripping off animal heads in front of them and being a sick fuck, uh, it's jarring and. A lot of times, especially if you you butt into like a serious moment, like um, what's what's the lady's name who gets her arm chopped off? Sith. Yeah. He goes up to her. Right. And like it's it's supposed to be an emotional ish moment, a serious moment. Uh, and then he makes a joke about, like, oh, no, you have to stay alive because we have to go to Valhalla. And it's it's funny, but um you you under you ruin both moments. You ruin the dramatic levity. And because you're invested in that moment, you've been told this is a serious moment. You're not really going to laugh because you're being told two things. And but you isn't can't that Marvel's what... thing? It, Aren't it's... they known for quips following yes. a dramatic moment? And I, I think sometimes it works. This time it didn't most because of the time. Because we're in quips or sometimes it's just line reading. You're saying that these sort of flip-flops are overarching tones. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, in a yeah. Taika Waititi movie, he's he directs comedies basically, right? And yeah, there is usually pretty dark. They do jo- go dark. Yes. Jojo Rabbit is a dark yes. movie, but that's a yeah. con- you know. So it's just it, it feels like they're warring, and it, it, like I think I said, it, Christian Bale feels like he's in a different movie. I mean, he just feels like a character from somewhere else. So uh, that's how I feel about that. Which and was then maybe the point, since his world is literally sure. like black and white. Sure. Um, well, let's Hemsworth. not give him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that deep. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll say is uh, Chris Hemsworth is very charming, and he continues to make it clear to me that he was born for this role. And if he wants to do this for as long as he wants, I'm totally in on that because yeah. I think he's great and uh, is he he has the acting chops. I think he's come a long way since Thor one, which I I always kind of found that movie annoying to watch. And I then, actually like Thor one. You do? Okay. 
Um, well, never, never really did say, I like it more than its rep. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, so he's come a long way from the blonde eyebrows and, and is now, you know, a really great actor and really great uh, role in the MCU. And uh, I'll be interested to see if he has a role in the next Avengers movie, if he's around for that and what that looks like yeah. after the other two so. leaders of the Avengers, Captain America right. and Iron Man are gone. What does he do in that situation? And like Thor was considered the ringer of the team, right? When he yeah. shows up in infinity war, Hulk is like, Oh, you're fucked now. Like our guy, yeah. like our heavy gun is here. Exactly. So like, there's no reason he shouldn't still command that respect, especially as you just said, Cap and Tony are dead. Hawkeye yeah. is a dude in the fuck it with a bow and arrow. Black Widow's dead. Ant-Man is literally a joke. Spider-Man's <laughs> a teenager. Captain Marvel, I guess, has some legit gravitas to her. But like sure. beyond that, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that that would be the way to take it, right? In the same way that you said one of your favorite scenes was when he rallies the kids. Mm-hmm. Have him rally the Avengers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's swing it real quick to my quick conversation with Chris Pratt and Taylor Kitsch, which I actually forgot I had because it's only four <laughs> minutes long because sometimes PR teams do very PR things. Yo, yo. Sorry, Hello. Wow. You're getting us fresh from I was a place that couldn't was, be more fresh. Some fassants. I was going to say, shower. you uh, fucking buckle up, bro. You guys are like doing speed dating junket today. Uh, I'm yeah, going to we're doing sprints down the hallway. We're doing speed with the emphasis on speed. Okay, this is Eric from Bro Bible. You may start your interview. Oh, Bro Bible. What's happening? Fellas, congrats on uh, the show. First, let Thank me you. say who, in fact, you are. Today, I am joined by Chris Pratt and Taylor Kitsch. We are talking about their new series, The Terminalist, which you could stream on Prime Video on July 1st. Gents, I blew through this one. I absolutely loved Thanks. it. And the, first, and the first thing that I want to touch on is the relationship between your characters, which I felt was very much that of brothers. Did you guys do anything in real life to build that bond? What was the process like? Do you have any fun guys being dude stories that you want to share? Well, I mean, the, 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 it was like 120 or so shoot days. So through the course of filming that bond that maybe at the beginning we were sort of feeling each other out, by the end did feel like we'd gone through something together. So I think for me, I would say just like going through making a series like this in itself is, is a bonding experience that hopefully by the end, certainly by the end, uh, uh, you know, really feels authentic and real. I don't to know. To me, he doesn't like me, but I like at him. all. So it's a weird, it's like a weird dynamic. At all. Like I'm obsessed and, he, <laughs> and he's already blocked me and got a restraining order. It's like this, like this Multiple. partnership was really, really complicated to get on screen. Did you use that in uh, the scenes towards the end? See what I'm talking about? <laughs> what I mean, hey, bro. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but he can be funny. Yeah. So we had that. Um, no, it was honestly for me, it was, I mean, it is the whole thing that drives this show, right? This brotherhood and what that means and what these guys will go to any length for one another, but you do have to keep those and earn those lighter moments for the darker ones. Um, I loved the process, uh, and playing Ben and coming in and checking in with Reese and, and, you know, throwing him improv and then him throwing two curveballs back. It's a lot of fun to go after each other. 
Does the um does the fact that you guys are playing men that served help ground you in your your characters? And does that experience differ from playing a more sort of fictional hero? There, the, yes. I mean, it, it it certainly it was really important to both of us. I think we we both have played Navy SEALs in the past before doing this. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, Lone Survivor. Um, so never heard of them. Yeah, there's just a couple yeah, of movies came and went. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> so I know that we both have an affinity for this community and have gotten to spend a lot of time with these folks and you know develop strong bonds with people who who are part of that brotherhood. So that's that was important just in terms of authenticity and making sure that we don't embarrass ourselves or embarrass them or that we do them proud that our friends who are in the seals watch this and go good job you guys you know that was a big thing for us but uh it's definitely different playing one of these characters than say like your your typical kind of superhero character because what makes these men so particularly special is their mortality you know they step into these fights knowing they could die they don't do it because they have a bulletproof vest and they're faster than a speeding bullet, speeding bullet and, you know, can, you know, faster than a locomotive or whatever. These are guys who have each other's backs and who routinely do get, sacrifice their lives in the line of duty. And so playing that, it, it's important to ground them in reality and not make them superheroes, not make them, well, he's a Navy SEAL, so 15 Robocop. guns stepped on him, yeah. Robocop all of a sudden. No, they're real. Yeah, well, I love the show. You guys did great on it. Congrats. Thank you for your time. I've got to wrap here. Chris, my time cues have saved you from Thor questions. So oh. I will see you boys later, all right? Thank yeah, you, man. Thank you. Talk then. All right. Thanks to Chris and Taylor for joining me for that. Check out the Terminal List on Prime Video. Truth be told, I actually quite enjoyed it. I binge watch it, which is not something I do that often. Like it took me a week to do Stranger Things 4, which, Kate, I feel like at some point you got to, like, more so than, than the boys. Like, I would say that Stranger Things is is probably more required viewing than the boys. Um, I will. And I, and, I, and I totally get your point about people being like, yo, it's superheroes who curse, man. You got to yeah. check it out. <laughs> but it is actually really good, the boys. Um, all right. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Next week is July 15th. I don't really know. I don't really think there's anything big next week. So, oh, Miss Marvel finale, which I don't think we've covered since episode one. So we'll probably just I'm two weeks behind at this point. And I really don't even care. And that speaks to my disillusion with the MCU at this current point, because I think Miss Marvel's a good show. And I still yes. just don't and I still just don't care because I'd rather watch The Old Man because I know that that's going to have consequences. One of the best shows on yeah. TV right now. Watch yeah. it if you're not. Yeah. Have you checked out The Bear? I have not. People keep telling me to watch that, too. Yeah, I've been hearing about that, too. Yeah. Check out The Old Man. I've been re-watching Veep. I don't know if you've ever seen Veep, Cade. But... I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. Ah, uh, just fucking amazing. All right, y'all. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week for Make him an offer, Captain. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.